research. <laughs> okay, so we've spoken about TV shows that were cancelled prematurely. Sweet, sweet can. So maybe we should talk about TV shows that should have been cancelled or finished well before they did. Uh, I feel like this uh, topic is created just for Dexter. (laughs) I feel there's a couple more. There are a few there that come up. um, But Dexter has... Dexter. Yeah, Dexter has to be the main start. Starting off strong, Michael C. Hall coming off uh, Six Feet Under. Amazing character. And going into another amazing character as well. And one of those shows with an amazing pitch. Serial killer, only kills bad guys, works for the cops. Amazing premise. Books as well. After reading the books, they were quite fantastic. Yeah, it was solid. It was such a good show. Those first two to three seasons, maybe? Fantastic. First season, at least, was absolutely brilliant. And then kind of like went in a trough for a bit. Wasn't very good. Then season four or five brought John Lithgow as the bad guy. And if you haven't seen, like, Cliffhanger with with um, Sylvester Stallone, you know that John Lithgow can be a really good bad guy. It came as quite a surprise because everyone watched it, you know, like Third Rock from the Sun and had seen him as, like, playful, lovable kind of bumbling dick. But... When he told his wife, like, shut up. Oh, can we swear on this? I should check. When he te- yeah, 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 yeah. I just want to double check. But it, when, he, um, when he tells his wife, like, he's, he's the church man. He's known as the neighborhood, the neighborhood, you know, go-to guy and he's really friendly. And he tells his wife while watching a football game to, like, shut up, cunt. It really, like, it really sold it. it. Like, from that moment on, which was early in that season, that was just like, holy shit, this season is fantastic. And then it just dipped off from there. Like, it just went down and people just abandoned it. I know I abandoned it because it got to the point where I was like, I don't want to waste my time with shit. There is so much I could watch, which is kind of what we've been mentioning the entire podcast. There is so much to go on that you don't really need to waste time with bad TV because there's so much good TV out there that if something's not performing, even if it was amazing, yeah, I just abandon it by the side of the road. But but sometimes I feel like I've committed three or four years of my life into this show, even though it sucks. I see. I want to you see where it's going. Where it it's kind of like sometimes you've got a mate that you've been friends with, and you're like, "Well, yeah, he was shit, but I liked I him, this but happened. this guy is a bit creeping me out." Yeah. You're investing in a podcast with him. Well, <laughs> I've got to see him every week or so for this podcast. Well, I guess I'll put up with it. And it's a bit like that. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. I'm like a fine wine pointy. I've improved with time. Like a fine cooler bar. Like a fine, sweet and fruity cooler bar. Um, yeah, and that's like that's a completely understandable feeling because you are dedicating so some <laughs> sweetie Sweet, fruit and white. It is you down to a T. Um, yeah, and like that's an understandable feeling. You're putting your time and effort into these characters. Six feet under, you put time and effort into those characters, and you were rewarded. You were given something that you could watch you again and again. In the face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You weren't given an amazing character that was built up over a couple of seasons, and then just kind of started doing things Get that went against. Yeah, and then like yeah, he became a lumberjack and gave up on his kid and did all this <laughs> random stuff. Like he, he kind of just abandoned the great character that they created by just you know. Trying to get themselves out of a hole, so yeah. And that weird relationship between 
like Dexter and his sister and they made it weird unnecessarily. Yeah. Like there was no reason for that. Yeah, she started loving – the sister started loving Dexter – um, and then even in real life, they got married and had divorced yeah, through really the show. Early on, though, that that happened, right? But that added a creepier level as well because it's, it's like brother creepy. and they're, sister. They're actors, <laughs> but they made it creepy in the show for yeah. no reason. They kind of continued it on. Yeah, when it got to it's the point. just like Angus and Julia Stone. Yeah, it is a bit. But, yeah, when they were like incestuous. Like Josh Stone. Just like Josh Stone. Uh, Josh Stone. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, when yeah when they started taking it down different levels and things and kind of ruining the characters and the journeys that they'd already taken us on, that's when people kind of just went, "No, thank levels, you, Jerry." It's yeah, levels. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I can't really think of any other shows that lasted a while. Too much. Too much. See, True Blood was one of those things because, like, Alan Ball as well, coming off Six Feet Under and going to True Blood, I heard that the first season, first few seasons were fantastic. I watched the first, probably half of the first season, and I went, this is a really good show, but it's not really for me. I'm not really into the themes or anything and kind of just abandoned it. But from friends that watch it now, yeah, they get to the point where it's just it's just ridiculous. ridiculous. There was a part where it was grounded in reality, but then it's just gone... Off Home with homeless. the fairies, but yeah. I still oh, yeah, look, I still watch True Blood. I still watch True Blood because I want to see where it goes, where the storyline is going, where the Have characters you been end up. This season, yes, it's horrendous. It is horrendous, and the whole thing, the whole thing with it's an abortion. Like <laughs> it is Tara's character was an abortion, just lovingly crafted through all the seasons, and boom, and kills off dies. off camera. She dies off camera. And then some confusing way to bring her back into it later on the season that had no point to it whatsoever. And there was one episode where um, Letty May and um, uh, Lafayette Lafayette were digging in the front yard for five seconds and then it wasn't referred to the whole rest of the episode. And all those Bill flashbacks that I thought and hoped were fucking leading somewhere still haven't. Well, they won't. Like the wartime, like the colonial wartime... Vampire like, Bill we, flashbacks. We need some more Colonial Bill. <laughs> colonial Bill? Where is it going? Where is it going? So that seems like it would be a good spin-off that they could, like, later on when they're done with, like, two... like a boring true. spin-off because it was pre-vampire, <laughs> so it's like, well, it's just going to be a Colonial show. It's not connected to the story at all. <laughs> <laughs> they should man. do that. It's my wife and family that I treat well. And then at the end, and then the last shot of the last the Yankees, <laughs> last shot of the last episode is him becoming a vampire, and then interesting See, things Eric, happening. Eric might have had a better spinoff because he was he was total barbarian beforehand. But I mean, fuck, where was, that? was, was he a Viking? Yeah, he's like a Viking kind of dude, right? Yeah, like Nordic kind of. Uh, rah, rah. <laughs> that's, oh, Nordic. that's Nordic. That's <laughs> Nordic. <laughs> Thank uh, you to our Nordic listeners. <laughs> oh. One of the other shows that's kind of just come to me, and it's not well, it is in the golden age, but Scrubs. I feel like Scrubs could have been cancelled. No, no. See, it started off quite well. The first few seasons were great, but then they kept pushing the the will they won't. No, (laughs) they kept pushing the will they won't they thing between Elliot and JD that it just got tiresome. Never the main story. Oh, but yeah, they were. They were. JD was the narrator for the entire like apart from a couple great. of random episodes he was the narrator for everything it was great up until the end of like season seven mm. 
I'm arguing. And then that final season, obviously, where the main characters weren't in it as a full-time thing. Yeah, that was weird. The whole the whole first, yeah. like, seven seasons were perfect. What Great. about What about How I Met Your Mother? Ah, oh, say so How I Met Your Mother's an interesting... How I Met Your Mother can go to hell. And the last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll talk about this. Um, how I Met Your Mother... Like, by the way, I'm fine with the last episode. Yeah. So am I. That's I, the I thing. I think it was actually really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I right up there. I Met Your Mother there. in the same basket as Big Bang Theory. Wow. Oh, but you like Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big I thought because it was about to be like, did you just call How I Met Your Mother a piece of shit? But you're like, oh no, wait, you like Big Bang Theory. I'd rather watch Big Bang Theory than How I Met Your Mother, but not Two and a Half Men. Not Two and a Half Men. Okay, okay, okay. So it's on the scale. All of them though, <laughs> never invest my time in consciously. How I Met Your Mother was an interesting one because I loved How I Met Your Mother. I watched it on TV. I was It was one of the mainstream shows that I watched on commercial television. And then I started watching the DVDs when they came out because I just wasn't watching it week to week. But it was something that I seeked out. And then when I started receiving illegal downloads, I was catching up on the show and I really in enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, in the mail. Of course, legally in the mail. But when it got to that last season with the last season solely being dedicated to a weekend wedding and kind of, yeah, that was, it was an interesting idea. It was, idea. It was executed poorly. Executed poorly, ex- extremely strenuous, especially when they glossed over so much stuff later on. Like, we're going to get into spoiler alert, and but... If the whole thing's a spoiler. Here this long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair if enough. someone's actually listening now, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fair point. Um, but yeah, like end of How I Met Your Mother, they got to the final episode, the wedding was all done, and then like it lasted what a couple of years, and then they, you know, Barney and Robin broke up, um, and then they just kept fast forwarding in time. And I kind of understand the reason of that because you know they were friends, they weren't hanging out with together as much anymore, so it wasn't like wacky antics week to week like it's been the rest of the show. Just say it's pretty cases. <laughs> but yeah, it just got to the point where it glossed over so much good stuff that we missed out on. But at the same time, that last episode is is fantastic. So it got to the point where through the entire last season, I was kind of becoming increasingly more agitated that it had lasted, that they hadn't cancelled it and just got it done with. But when I watched the last episode, I was happy, which yeah. is not what a lot of people felt. Well, yeah, well, I must have had the same opinion as you because... Um, one of the things that I really liked about it was kind of the the message that I took away mm. was, and I'm going to sound pretty sappy here, so I apologise in advance, but sometimes uh, love is for a finite period of time yeah, and you just need to take it for what it's worth. Yeah. And that's what's good about it. And, it, and this whole idea of like this one person that you'll love forever and ever and there won't be anything else is kind of a little bit silly yeah and I really like the story that like you know he found the love the person that he was striving for he found the love and then she wasn't the person that she that he ended up with forever which is kind of something he's been building up for the entire time that he was supposed to meet someone he was with for the rest of his life and they were going to spend all that yeah but he found her and they had a great time and then it was over that's it but then he still had this love for somebody else that was his friend, and then that also was See, important. The interesting how I've how I've come to accept the final episode is that it all comes back to like a, a writing device called like the unreliable narrator, where the person telling the story it's not a factual account of everything that happened, and that is shown several times in How I Met Your Mother by just. Um, whoever's telling the story being quite grand and things happening in a ridiculous way. But the last episode and those last couple of minutes when you realise that 
that the wife's dead and that um, that the father that Ted is pretty much building up to ask his to to break it to his kids that he likes his aunt Robin. Or if you think about the entire premise of the show. Well, yeah, yeah, they're like, friend, I won't. Yeah, sorry, the kids are, yeah, kids, kids, yeah, the kids quote, yeah, yeah, the kids quote, unquote, Aunt Robin. Um, but, yeah, the fact that the entire show, that it kind of works out at the end. That, I met your grandma's sister. Yeah, that's that's a spin-off. But it kind of gets to the end of the show and then you realise that um, he's been telling the story with a positive spin on Robin the entire time because he's trying to get his kids to understand that, he likes her, and that he really he un, he knows that that love is there. That he experienced that love before. That it's back. And he did love the mother, but at the same time, he's always loved Robin. That was part of him. That's always loved him. So that last episode, I really came to terms with it because at the end, I was like, "Yeah, that's right. It's a story. It's a story that Ted's been telling from the beginning to his kids. No matter that it's been going for nine seasons and all the jokes about like how old the kids are now and all that stuff. It's a story that he's been telling his kids the entire time." And he's the narrator, so obviously he's going to frame it in a way that everyone's happy with. But, yeah, How I Met Your Mother, pretty much the entire scene, I was like, they should have cancelled it. But then I watched that last episode and I was happy. I got closure, which is not, which is something you're getting more and more with TV now, but you didn't get before. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate on that? No. All right. <laughs> Unless anybody's got any uh, other biggies that should have been cancelled, mm. let's talk about the the... the Biggies of the golden age of television, the Game of Thrones, mm. the Mad Men, the yeah. HBO yes. flagships. Yep. So I we already spoke about six We did. Well, well <laughs> going the modern going to current day television, there are several things that are still there. Obviously, Game of Thrones is there, and it's a really big deal. And it's great that it's a really big deal. Yeah. Um, but it, I hope that. There's more TV like it. I hope we haven't seen a peak with Game of Thrones and it keeps going. I really don't think we have, but it's such a spectacle. It's such a big thing. It's to the point where, like, at work the other day I was talking to some random lady who lives in a random suburb and she said her and her neighbours get together and go at everyone's house and watch Game of Thrones. Like, on a Monday night they watch it on pay TV. Everyone makes a dinner. They make a night of it. Like, that's event TV that really doesn't happen anymore. And especially with, like, downloading and DVDs and, you know, binge-watching things on your own and, you know, as soon as you can. Those event TVs are quite... They base you in what TV really should be. It should be enjoyment for people. Like we get so caught up in things because we're able to like, you know, converse about all these amazing shows because we've seen them all. The big thing about Game of Thrones is that it's event TV. It's a spectacle. Mm. But one of the things I love about sort of the antithesis to that is something like Boardwalk Empire that is Mm. so in parts painfully slow but yeah. it's very oh i don't know it's it's just enthralling it's really amazing it's addictive it's addictive because there's like there's good characters there there's good story there they've laid a really the good the pacing is different yeah. something like game of thrones it's just yeah. 
slow and fast and Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Well, Game of Thrones is slow in a lot of ways, though. Yeah. It's still, I think that's more, much more highly paced and much more dramatic than... Once you work out how TV works and, like, listening to several podcasts and even interviews with, like, especially the, the showrunners of Game of Thrones, once you work out how TV works, you realise kind of how how pacing is set up with a show like that because there's a book with so much action in it those books are so thick and there's so many things that they can do yeah they they only do like the books aren't that action-packed i've read all of them oh and there's a lot of like horse there's riding a and things. lot of very long passages where not a lot happens and the books because um if people don't know like each chapter in the book's written from a different character's point mm. of view so the way that the show's laid out is sort of like this happens and this happens and this happens but in the books, you don't really always just get see it in a linear yeah. way. It's sort of like you hear fragments of yeah. what's happened yeah. and then you kind of build the story after that and go, oh, okay, well, this is what happened. Mm. So, yeah, it's just a strange way. They've done a really good job adapting mm. it. It would have been hard. With running that show as well, they don't have like they've got a lot of money, so they're filming like all around the world with all the extras and stuff. But at the same time, they don't have like an unlimited budget, so they tend to have like big battle scenes or big CGI or anything like that. It seems to be like one one thing that really sparks it for them. Like, um, is it the I'm going to get it wrong? Um, battle of is it black? Water. Yep. That was the that was the big scene of season two because they were having battle scenes. They needed extras and they needed CGI for the explosions and all that stuff. They couldn't do a Blackwater every week. It wasn't in the book. There wasn't you know Blackwaters constantly or Blackwater sized events constantly happening. But there was one thing that they could do, just like in the recent season where there was one episode solely focused on the wall and like the battles that happened around there and you know the amount of CGI and effort that went into doing that stuff. They can't do it every episode and even those showrunners like adapting the book after they did the first couple of episodes they showed it to their filmmaking friends and they'd followed the book pretty much as much as they could into a show and then all their filmmaking friends said i've got no idea what's happening i don't know anyone's relationship to anybody i don't know what's happening why is it a big deal that those two are hooking up at the end and that stark boy catches them well it's because they're brother and sister okay I didn't understand that whatsoever. So they actually had to go back and add more talking and more like yeah. character development. And I feel like that that show has really worked because yeah. they've been able to create characters that you get so emotional about, which wouldn't have happened if it was just action the entire time. I kind of feel like I can't um, watch a TV show objectively anymore because I watched the first season without reading the books. Mm. And then after the first season was finished, I read all the books and so now I, I can't really watch it just as a TV show because I'm kind of going oh this yeah. is kind of different to that and this is like it's the same thing but but not mm-hmm. like I don't know it's a little, I can't enjoy it for what it is as much as is it because you, you know or you have an understanding about what's happening or yeah. what could happen in the future yeah yeah well um, it was kind of like when Chloe and I were watching the uh, Red Wedding episode mm-hmm. I was kind of sitting there the whole time just uncomfortable because, like, I knew what was going to happen at some point. I mean, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen and when, but, like, I knew it was on the horizon and so I'm all uncomfortable sitting there going, oh. See, I hadn't watched 
Game of Thrones at all. I'd avoided it actually because I'm not. Uh, it sounds bad. I'm not into fantasy things. I, I'm the I'm same. Not, yeah, I'm exactly. And so Game of Thrones kind of scared me because I thought it was all dragons and something. It's not. It's but not the, at all. The image it creates. But the image it creates. Yeah, yeah. If you're just seeing images and flashes of things, it feels like it's one of those shows. But I'd seen a gif of the Red Wedding. I had not known any of those characters whatsoever, but I knew that some bloodbath was coming. Anyway, I watched the show. It was absolutely fantastic. Kindly forgot about that. Oh, they're shaking off the argument. That's nice. Um, I'd watched all the show. I got really attached to these characters, but at the same time I knew something was coming. I knew that they were going to get killed and things. And when it came to that wedding scene, I did recognise all those things and I knew something bad was going to happen. And I couldn't... I knew it was happening... But my girlfriend didn't know, so at the same time, so I watched through her how someone would react to seeing that scene for the first time, which is like fingers over eyes, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Why are they doing this to the characters that I love? Um, So, yeah. Game of Thrones is an amazing event television right now. It is one of the pinnacles of the golden age of TV right now. For however long it lasts, it is the example of how amazing television can be. Speaking of how amazing television can be, Doctor Who, the reboot, starting with Christopher Eccleston in the early 2000s, is a product of the golden age of TV. It couldn't have been done through the 90s. It just The, the, the format wasn't there for it, but it is an amazing show. And because of the concept of Doctor Who, they can do so much with it. The fact that he can regenerate into another actor and the fact that they can pretty much go anywhere, anytime, any place, do whatever they like, and the people they hire and the budget they have mm. is an amazing show. And despite its despite its huge fan base of Whovians, like it's not quite considered in the same breath as like a HBO show like Game of Thrones is, but it is easily as good as Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And going to budget things as well, like original Doctor Who was made with nothing, like the Daleks were. Mm. <laughs> if you see the original Daleks, they were ridiculous. But if you look at the budget for the shows now, from yeah. Eccleston onwards, it's huge. The fact that they're doing TV movies, the fact that they're sending the actors all around the world to yeah. like promote the new series, it just shows how big the TV show is it's absolutely amazing and Stephen Moffat as well but kind of behind the reboot and oh, stuff yeah. amazing person doing things like Sherlock as well is absolutely incredible if you haven't seen Sherlock show that he's done his reboot of Sherlock Holmes in modern day England no 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 do yourself a favor absolutely incredible this could be your new doc- new Doctor Who it's no, only short it's only short they're on- no 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 see it's not it's set in modern day you're terrible you're terrible <laughs> It's set modern day. It's I Doctor Who. Like. Yeah, I just don't like things. I, if it's not Big Bang Theory, get it out of my house. <laughs> Should we talk like British shows? Yes, Doctor well? Who. Red Dwarf. Yeah, Red no, Dwarf. No, hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Plenty. You got into Doctor Who recently. Yes. Talk about it. Uh, well, I didn't really get into it recently. I you know what I mean? Came like back the, to it yeah, recently, came back I would to say. Um, when I was a kid growing up in Beresfield, I used to borrow a lot of the sci-fi and fantasy videos uh, from the Movie Shack, it was called. It was a very uh, clever name. um, But, yeah, I used to watch, like, I don't know, the the Five Doctors, the Three Doctors and, like, I don't know, whatever. The Terrifying Doctors. Yeah, like, whatever Doctor Who stuff they had there and I borrowed a lot of Star Trek videos as well. Um, But, yeah, like, I hadn't watched Doctor Who in years. Mm. And then, like, you guys were talking about it heaps. Um, By you guys, I mean... 
Moosey and Nothing Cutesy. And I tried to convince Mrs. Pointy to get into it, but she wouldn't have a bar of it. But then I eventually wore her down Mm. and now she loves it. Because it's one of those things where, yes, it's a concept and yes, it's a premise that we've had before, Doctor Who, but within that realm, there is amazing, amazing writing Mm. and amazing production that just, it just works. And And I must say, I disagree with IMDb. I've just checked Doctor Who. (laughs) And it says genres, adventure, drama, family, and sci-fi. No fantasy. So fuck you. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. (laughs) Fuck you, IMDb. Fantasy's all leprechauns and rainbows. I think with Doctor Who as well, because of the environment that we're all used to now, it's been able to thrive. Like, yeah. Like, because TV is so open and willing and, you know, the budget can be there. If you're great, you can get a really good budget and you can explore and you can take it to the world. So I think that's why it's really thrived in this yeah. environment yeah. because of things. Um, while we talk UK shows, and Sherlock, yeah, is absolutely incredible. One of the shows I've been watching a lot. Cobblestone, um, Jack the River, Blair. No, it's not. Oh, it's not. It's it's modern day Sherlock Holmes. It's. Oh, don't worry about it. It's Benedict Cumberbatch. Okay. on his iPhone. So yes, he uses an iPhone. All right, then I'll watch it. It's modern day. Okay, you'll so, love it. You'll love it. So awesome UK shows. Spaced. Yep. Spaced is great. Black Space books. is up there. Black books. Black is books up there. is the Office. The Office is up there. Red Dwarf. I like Red the Dwarf. Office, and I love Red Dwarf. But um, Black Books is the pinnacle of UK comedy after say the 90s like it's just yeah. good wine is I, I, I can never get that right <laughs> it's like looking into the eye of, of a duck. duck of a duck I can get that right um, one of the other shows oh, IT crowd has Don't been move on from Black Books <laughs> Black Books is incredible like it's always incredible and three seasons and it's done and that's one of the good things about British shows as well is that they get in and they get out yeah, if that don't makes have, sense. Stay there, welcome. Yeah. yeah, like three seasons of Black Books was great. It didn't have a definitive ending, but yeah, the but ending it that it had was great. If it kept going. It'd yeah. be like, oh, this is the same. It would be thing. the same thing over and over again. Faulty Towers only had two seasons. Yeah, that and was what um, Dylan Moran wanted Black Books to and be. And that's what. And you know what? That's what a lot of British writers have based their decisions on. Ricky Gervais has said it several times when talking about The Office and Extras. Faulty Towers did it in two seasons. That's 12 episodes. But you feel like it went forever. You feel, because it's all solid. Yeah, Blackadder as well. How many seasons was that? Three, three, seasons. three seasons. I haven't watched Blackadder as an adult. I've only seen it as watch a kid, it. so I need to watch Amazing. it as an adult. Incredible writing. Um, but yeah, yeah, same with IT Crowd. That was three or four seasons. IT Crowd was good. It was... Dare I say, a, like a, a intelligent British Bing Bang theory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, other UK shows, there's a few here. There's a, a they do comedy really well, and I think we should just stick to them talking comedy because there's so many drama shows that they do that are great, but they're really Ooh, good well, at nailing I think, comedy. I think the British really do comedy just way better. Mm. Like it's much more understated. It's not as in your face, but it's. It lends itself to repeat viewing and... Oh, yeah. yeah. Those Black Book episodes you can watch anytime, any yeah. place. They never get old. And it's, like, a little bit more absurd mm. as yeah. well. Like, it's not Bad. so grounded Bad. in reality. Better. Better. I'm from the future. <laughs> one of the other... One of the newer 
British shows that is actually kind of British and American. It's a co-part. It's created by a British person and one of the co-creators of Friends. It's called Episodes. It actually features yes, Fran really good. from Black Books. It's really good. Um, and they play, there's and two, Joey. yeah, and two British um, writers that have written this seemingly incredible BAFTA award winning comedy show and have been approached by American TV shows to translate it to the US. And it becomes this bastardized version of this show that was great and it features Joey Tribbiani from Matt LeBlanc, pretty much playing the Joey Jojo Shabaloo. But, yeah, it pretty much features him playing a Hollywood version of himself. Absolutely incredible. Really great show. Matt LeBlanc thinks it's going to be a comeback for him, and the network is changing the show entirely as the season is going on, and the writers just seeing their entire dream bastardized, and you see their full... Hollywood life going on for these two English characters. It's awesome. Well, they um, they adaptation. They actually did do a US version of Red Dwarf. Like there was a well, and it was horrible. They did a US version of the IP crowd as well. With um, yeah, with with Moss being played by Richard Ayotide as the same character, but with Roy being played by Joel McHale from Community instead of. Uh, oh, I'm going to forget his name. Uh, Chris Dow. O'Dow. Chris O'Dow, yeah. That's Chris it. O'Dow. He was in Bridesmaids. So, yeah. yeah, crazy. But they never worked. Apart from, no, none of those. Apart from sh- The Office. Apart from the Wilfred worked. Wilfred, Wilfred worked, worked as well. But, but very were, few will work. And that was a bit different because, like, Wilfred, Wilfred was... I really felt Wilfred in the U, in the US worked because it had Elijah Wood. It had a big name behind it and a great hook as well with, you know, guy seeing, uh, being followed around by a guy in a dog costume. And that's pretty much it. And it's amazing. And if you watch it, it's absolutely incredible. And it's really good to see that they haven't bastardised the show or change it. It's a bit cleaner. It's a bit more refined, obviously, because Elijah Wood's in it, and it's for US audiences. But it's still kind of the same show. It's still got like bong jokes, but and it's still those, the dog doing terrible things. Very few of those cross culture reboots can be like the one episode, the one Catherine Kim episode I saw was awful. Absolutely awful. Absolutely. Terrible. Like I don't find yeah. Catherine Kim that funny but I get why it's funny yeah. but I couldn't understand why the bastardized American version would be funny you know mm. so uh, let's m- maybe talk about Australian oh shows. before we do it's hard sorry I was, I was holding on to the fact we were talking about BBC like British kind of comedies mm. um, but BBC America the best show I have I've been telling everybody about this I've even bought DVD presents for everybody the one best show I've seen in years is Orphan Black. Yes. Have you yeah. watched it yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've watched yeah, the watched first it. like five episodes. Have you, you, do you love it? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, it's the amazing. fucking best. Absolutely amazing. You really know, good show. You know what I've been watching the what? last couple of weeks? Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Well, you can't move on from Orphan Black so quickly. <laughs> Tatiana Maslany is gorgeous and she's fucking everyone in the show. Like she plays She's fucking everybody. Characters. She's fucking. Everything. No, that that sounded terrible. <laughs> that's no, a, that's a she is. Show. Are we back on the show, girls? No. Well, yes. No. Um, like she's like five different characters, and mm. she's amazing. And it's yeah. just this feat of both suspense, action, drama, writing, and amazing acting and amazing special effects. And it's just I've watched like I've watched up to the end of the second season, and I'm just itching for the third. Like, and like that's. That's on BBC America. That's not even like B 
BBC in the UK. That's BBC. That's a small network in America with limited funds. Yeah. Creating an amazing show. Yeah. It's just like AMC, a really small cable network in America, being behind shows like Breaking Bad, Mad Men, The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. These are shows that are getting like 16 million people viewing them at one time. What are your thoughts on Mad Men, by the way? Mad Men. Mad Men. We'll come back to Battlestar Galacticus because I really want to get there. But Mad Men was great. Mad Men was one of those shows that I first realized um, it's kind of with it was kind of with Six Feet Under where there were characters that I was rooting for and at the same time hating flawed things. But at the same time, I'm a history buff, so I yeah. liked when it dipped in and out of history when it was using. You know, like the JFK assassination and when it was using, like, presidential campaigns and when it was referring to recent points in history and different kind of cultures and countercultures that were happening in America in the 60s. Really great show. At the same time, probably should have got cancelled. Probably should have gone after a couple of seasons. I don't think so. I I thought there was was merit in its last season. But that being said, the... The fact that they've forwarded it in time, that it hasn't been just stuck in the early 60s, they've actually seen these characters that were quite very buttoned up and laced 1950s typical American guys where, you know, girls were second best, they kind of were the servants and playthings and that's it and the old ball and chain at home. And then you go through the 60s where there's a revolution, people are thinking better and you're actually seeing these characters not change some of them change but at the same time the world's just changing and you're saying it was all about don then it was about the world around yeah yeah which is amazing and also yeah don draper is one of the coolest characters that has ever been created it that is like the sister show to boardwalk empire which is also based Mm. in a particular time period but it's moving through time based around real events yeah yeah and based on very real characters as well Mm. but yeah both of those shows are excellent. Boardwalk Empire took me a while to get into Boardwalk Empire. I was hooked from the start of that show. Once I got... And I always had friends going, you have to watch it. And I was a bit like you with Breaking Bad, where I was like, mm. you know what? Fuck you. I'm not going to watch it. And then it just season after season came out, and I heard really good things. So I started watching it, and it was really good. But at the same time, the pace was so slow that I have dipped in and out of it. Sometimes I pick it up and watch it, watch a whole season, and sometimes I will just go... Get halfway through the season, just give up. It's one of those shows that can sometimes seem a bit taxing mm. to watch. Like you need to be in the right. Mm. But I've never given up on it. I thought. Oh no no no! Like it's through. I. Oh, I mean, I, I like yeah, the show, yeah. but like I need to be in the right kind of mood to want to watch yeah. it. Yes. Like it's not something Absolutely. you can just put on while you're eating dinner. Mm. Like mm. you got to be like, okay, I'm ready to watch this now. Mm. The Battleship Galactica was interesting because it was just stone. It was yeah, just stone being amazing in it. No, the Battlestar, Battlestar, ah, Battlestar, um, and just stone. That because the the show in the eighties was a thing within in itself, and then it was kind of rebooted and grittier and dirtier and more of a punch to it. And it was solid. It was great. I watched the first few seasons, uh, and once again coming to it later on when the season had finished and friends were saying that it was incredible. Watched it and it blew my mind. It was really good. Um, but yeah, at the same time, there were parts with me at, at sometimes where I'm like, I could take this or leave this. I wouldn't see myself putting on another episode straight away or even like tuning in the same time the next week if that's how it was delivered. It kind of just faded for me because there were stronger things because like when shows start it's very rare that when shows start they continue to stay strong or get stronger they tend to peak 
uh, kind of fall off a bit. Maybe there's another peak in the middle, but a lot of the time they just trail off until the end. Very rarely do shows get better than worse. So that I find that if I trail on, kind of like Dexter as well, if I trail on and I survive the peaks, when I'm in the trough and I'm in the, the, the part where it's you know going down, I tend not to stick around. Because there's just so much. There's way more things I could be watching with my time. Well, I, I kind of got in, like, literally just the last couple of weeks. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I think it's great. Mm. Like, it's not what I expected at all. Like, I thought, oh, this might be sort of a boring sci-fi thing. Something you can have on in the background or something But like that. it's pretty good. Like, mm. and there's some pretty good themes in it. And it's mm. dark but not overly dark. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think some of the other big shows that I should mention is like I mentioned it before, like The Walking Dead is a massive thing. It's a phenomenal show. I, like I think you would. It is one of those shows as well where it's starting to like it had its it started off strong. Frank Darabont was behind it from um, Shawshank Redemption. Um, and yeah, it was a really solid show and the, the comic as well that it's based on is absolutely I, I don't think right. they're doing anything um, revolutionary worse than it. what they were to begin with yeah, yeah like yeah, I still yeah. think they're doing um, good stuff but if you but like it's just not new like yeah. like after four seasons it's yeah. like yeah. Oh, there's just starts, more zombies and start, they're running away from the zombies you it starts coming homogenised which is kind of like the issue with Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory it starts becoming to the point where it's just churning out the same old stuff again and again it's not doing it in the same sense where it resets at the end of the episode for wacky zombie antics in the next episode it is forwarding a story but at the same time it's yeah it's quite but that's why it's, it's all new ground in terms of this golden age thing yeah. it's all new ground in that no one's had that long a story arc without yeah. resetting yeah. and being able to go how do we renew that like you have the yeah. initial burst of yes this is the idea mm. this is how we're going to get through it and then okay we've got more seasons mm. where do we take it and a show like that as well like it's peaked with 16 million viewers which compared to just regular numbers like 18 million for Big Bang Theory but like a show over here is like successful if 2 million people watch yeah. it so 16 million people over there it's become really a mainstream show with quite a graphic topic and they're quite graphic with zombies mm. as well like it's really it's really good to see I, if, if that's the filler if that's the popcorn of now if that's like the popular show that everyone's watching now I've, I'm really excited by that because it's a really exciting yeah. show and it's not just like homogenized crap that resets again and again so it can be fresh and still get the same ratings. But in terms They're taking of, chances. In terms of things like not knowing, having an initial concept and then trying to figure out where to take it, did you ever watch Heroes, mm. the four seasons? Like, uh, I, yeah. I really enjoyed it yeah. to the last fourth season, but, like, I know I know it's easy to... The first two season's really good. Yep. Um, it's, yeah, it's, but it's easy to go, the it's terrible. Two, the next but... two were totally watchable. But they but just didn't they have the same there spark. There was so much potential. There was so much lead up to it could something have been that was X-Men never really delivered. live action yeah. TV. It could have Absolutely. fucking been. Like, that's what the first couple of seasons were. So, they set up so much potential in what they had and then yeah. they didn't deliver, which was quite a shame. Because, yeah, the first but season... wasn't it played by the, um, like the writer's yeah, strike? Yeah, the writer's stuff. strike Probably had a big issue help. on it, which, which is interesting as well. The writer's strike had a really big impact on things in general like in shows that we see like it had an impact on heroes that could have been the next big tv show oh yeah run 10 years with so many characters that they were bringing in and out and such an interesting grasp of things if they were able to 
jump on the momentum made from that show instead of having to halt for months and months, yeah. which has a roll-on effect. It's well, crazy. Uh, but going but going back to Breaking Bad, <laughs> um, they were only supposed to do a couple of... Like, episode one was quite short because of the writer's strike. They only had six or seven. And they got to the point where episode six and seven... Vince Gilligan writing and creating the show got to a point where he was going to kill off Jesse Pinkman, which is the second main character in the show. He was going to kill him off in season one before anything happened, just because that's how the momentum of the show was working. He was going so fast that he said, yeah, let's kill him and get it done. But because the writer's strike, they never got to film it. And he got to kind of cool his jets and work out a structure for a show. And now we've got one of the greatest shows and one of the greatest characters of all time um well i was just talking i think on another podcast recently oh, that was must have been the guardians of the galaxy one because lee pace who played ronan was uh the male lead in a show called pushing daisies mm. which if you like the cutesier side of things but still well written and great like mystery kind of show like it was such a great show two brilliant seasons but the last episode wraps up where they needed to go with the third season in five minutes. Yeah. You know, kind of just glosses over where and they were going to go. Do you like that when that happens? Do you like that kind of forced closure? Ugh. I I don't know if I liked it, but I was like, okay. You're I'm happy you had it. I'm glad that this is where they were going to take it. Mm. We all know watching this that it was going to end. Yeah. But because uh, that show, Pushing Daisies, was brilliant, but it was just so high production high production costs mm-hmm. and with the writer's strike happening around the time of the second season mm-hmm. it was high production costs it was halted it was just it lost the momentum it just wasn't worth mm-hmm. green lighting for a third season to the execs that's kind of like the office as well like once my once Steve Carell left the office they they you know they got um what's his name uh Joey Jojo no not Joey Jojo he plays I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. He plays Robert California, and he was in... James uh, Spader. James Spader, of course, the amazing James Spader. And that brought some life to it, and then they kind of fizzled out, and then you found out that season nine was the last season. So the entire time, I'm kind of like, this is really strained. This show used to be fantastic, but now it's not. And then they kind of mixed it around. They mixed up some elements in there, which was really good. Yeah, they brought Gervais, which was interesting. Um, but then the final episode... Like, gave, in there yeah, oh like yeah, that. it would have been amazing. He could have played like the, the bug-eyed guy that he played in the British office that cries because he gets insulted. Um, but yeah, then the office kind of wraps things up in a really nice way, and I'm really happy I got that because I invested all that time into those characters. Even though there were parts of season eight and parts of season nine that were shit, and I was like, I'm never going to watch this show again. It's a piece of crap now. I'm really happy I stuck it out because I got that closure for those characters I grew to love and like really, really get close to. I think that's a good example of a show that like started off a little bit rocky mm. but got good because you kind of like watch that first episode going, it's a oh copy. my God, it's a direct why, why copy. are they doing this? It's It'll a direct never be copy. as good. It's a direct but copy. But then they the found their own yeah. feet and they did their own thing and then it was great. Mm. But like at the start, it was very much like, why is this even necessary? Yeah. This, and that's why I like when people take chances on shows. It's, it happens It happens more now. A lot more shows used to, before this golden age, a lot more shows used to just get cancelled after a season or a couple of episodes. And that mm, would be that it. still happens a lot. Yeah, though. absolutely. But at the same time, a show 
uh, is given a chance through different things. Like if they don't get great ratings, then, you know, there might be some pickup on DVDs or online watching or how it just impacts on the community or anything like that. Like Parks and Rec, when it first started, was like six episodes they weren't very good and then they had a full second season which was like 22 episodes and it knocked it out of the park and it made like Chris Pratt an amazing star Guardians of the Galaxy now after all the other movies Nick Offerman becoming like you know the picture of what a man is pretty much with Ron Swanson and like that but that show was a piece of shit after six episodes and they could have just cancelled it there and we would have never known all these amazing things but we saw I reckon 30 Rock was never it was never a piece shit but it became so much better after after a season or two yeah it just became something great 30 rock was one of those really interesting cases because it was it was got so many awards it was lauded by the critics so much everyone was talking about how it should be this amazing it is an amazing show that everyone should watch it and it didn't get good ratings yeah it just didn't there was Wherever the audience were, they weren't watching it on TV how networks were um, measuring it. They were watching yeah. it other ways, which is a real shame because it was a really good show. I'm really happy with the time that we got out of it. Well, like seven seasons. Yeah, By absolutely. the end of it, you're like, okay, which this is, is okay to end now. Which is yeah. constantly surprising to everyone. It was really surprising that they kept going because it felt like it was one of those shows that was kind of teetering on the edge of being cancelled. But it just won. It kept winning so many awards. Like Alec Baldwin won so many Emmys for outstanding actor in a comedy series which he deservedly like needed or <laughs> well, like he he really earned and like tina fey the writing on that show is epic like it's so good it's joke it's like it's joke after joke after joke it just keeps going and it's really good i think something's been envisioned now ahead where where tv makes a lot of money from having like Seinfeld to the point where you know you hear stories where he's rejecting millions and millions of dollars to do another season, to the point where like everyone on Friends and now The Big Bang Theory were making like a million dollars an episode per show. I feel that, like yeah, so that's syndication rights. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, it's more of a yeah, it's more of a future when syndication stuff, but that's not that's not becoming a. Th- an issue anymore like syndication's still there and there's still money there but there's I feel like the money's only going to be fading but the quality of the content is only going to go up because it's got to the point now where there are movie stars that say that TV is a more viable option than movies because it's a way of creatively telling a story yeah. and being something like being happy with something like there are so many actors now that want to take part in TV shows like Halle Berry, like we hate her, but Halle Berry being in a show is a big thing. Um, Adrian Brody is about to be in a, in a 10 part miniseries, something about uh, Harry Steve Houdini, Steve Buscemi in Boardwalk Empire. Um, even to the point where like with Breaking Bad, with Breaking Bad, um, what is his name? His name is, he played uh, Dr. Lecter. Anthony Hopkins wrote a letter to Brian Cranston saying he was absolutely blown away by the performance, but also the kind of storytelling that Breaking Bad was able to do. So TV's opening this really new gate where at the same time you need to worry about all that money, but and like where it's going to go and how you pay for resources and how everyone adequately gets money to the point where it's a sustainable industry to be in. But at the same time, the quality seems to be only going up because people want to take part. Like even Kevin Spacey in House of Cards, it's just 
the train's left the station and there's going to be so many more people that take part in these shows. So out of the blue, but because I didn't even think of Sex in the City. <laughs> Sex in the City. Um, Girls is yeah. obviously the logical successor to Sex in the City, right? Oh, I... Not, not in terms of any... Has any, anyone else watched Girls? I don't want to be the only I, I one. love Girls. You don't watch it? I loved it. You loved it? Loved it. I watched it. My girlfriend enjoyed it and watched it, and I found myself watching with her, but being really snarky about it because no, I wasn't. I cause, but I found like it was the I was the characters were too close to comfort for me. They were just too annoying. I, I think I'd met characters like that before, but and it was just too annoying. Exist. I know those people exist, and it's a really interesting show, and it's a really great any show that kind of um, has the balls to do things differently. I'm What's quite a the fan. What's name that? Runs that show, well, Lena Dunham. Lena yeah, I listened to well, uh, the podcast that uh, with Mark Maron and her. Yeah, she was really great. interesting. Yeah, yeah she was really great. good. She and seemed really good. interesting. In saying that, it's too close to comfort, and it's sort of it takes things, it puts things out there that haven't been out there before. I think that that you're proving me right that it's the natural successor to Sex in the City. In yeah. it's this group of girls living in the city are uh, taking things further than that show has. Mm. It's sort of like the indie Brooklyn Sex in the City. Yeah, it is a bit. It's kind of like the hipster Sex in the City. It's like it's it's like the child of Sex in the City. It's like yeah, it's the child, the filthy child. Yeah, the filthy child that was born out of seeing Sex in the City when they were like ten years old, and that's what they've developed into. So now it's okay for someone to talk openly about having a sexually transmitted infection and yeah, and you know, that's the thing, and the shit they things. say, and yeah. the the weird fetishes like fucking Adam has, mm. and the. The, the the kind of divide between, mm. like, yes and no and just uh, sexual boundaries and different stuff between yeah. Hannah and Adam. It's just that shit you would never see on TV. No, not at all. Why don't we wrap up? Because we've kind of talked about Golden Age of TV is now. It started early 90s. It's still going. I don't know where it's going to go in the future. I don't know how long it's going to last. I feel like it's going to last for a long time, but at the same time, I'm really surprised with where we are right now. So I'm I'm really not sure about the future. Um, but, yeah, I feel like I want to just list shows that are fantastic. Go. That are there now. Go. There's really good shows right now is The Strain. That's just come out with... Guillermo del Toro, I feel like, yeah. I uh, Yeah, it's kind of about vampire slash parasite host thing kind of taking over in real life. Great, very event t- TV. Um, Under the Dome. Under the Dome is really bad. It's surprisingly bad. But it's so bad that it's good. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those shows that's so bad that the it's following. good. But it's quite disappointing. <laughs> um, the Leftovers is one that's on HBO right now, um, which is actually really great, created by Damon, or well, show run by Damon Lindenhoff, who also was oh, with Lost. Um, yeah, it's just about uh, something like The Rapture has happened in the world, where 2% of the population has just disappeared and no one know and everyone's just got to live with life after that it's a really interesting show um what else is there oh uh Do you like louis uh louis great louis fantastic the fact that louis has so much um creative control over what he does is why that show is brilliant and have you watched any so of the Marin's show yes i have it's, it's great. great it's really interesting shows coming off podcasts are really great I've, i hope that there's more of them because it's like comedy bang bang as well which is just a spin-off of a podcast so i feel like there's going to be maybe splitting cases 
Yeah, it'll just be like TV this. show coming out. Exactly. I think so. Everyone with makeup on. Um, well, we, well, we have been talking about splitting cases is going to be a podcast, a band. <laughs> a it should be a TV show. Tablecloth. As long as you, as long as you don't, as long as you don't become lumberjacks at the end of your TV no, show. No, that's our goal. Oh, that's the goal. That's our goal. Our hit single is um, "Friends Are Not Friends, Friends Are Content." <laughs> um, yeah, a couple of other shows that I'm watching is Utopia in the in from the UK. Dark, graphic, violent, gory, amazing. Set in apocalyptic future where food's running out on Earth and the government, there's this massive conspiracy where the government is trying to make the world impotent and try and just save the world and the resources that exist there. So good. Like, the filming and everything is just great. It's really good. I would suggest it to everybody. Um, And another show I'm watching is Rectify, um, which is a really slow-burning show, but it's about a guy that's been on death row for 16 years for killing someone when he was a teenager and gets let go, and it's in a small country rural town. Kind of takes place in real time. Deals with his The first season deals with his first week of being free. And it's really just, yeah, one of those character shows where it's not... It's not flashy and explosions really coming at you. It's actually like real life and real characters did you, and real people. Did you like Hannibal? Yes. Uh, first season of Hannibal was good. Took me a while to get into it, but it was quite interesting. Once again, one of those surprising shows from a mainstream American show, NBC, and it's really It's been gory. like threatened cancellation. Like, yeah. yeah, super gory, but at the same time critically acclaimed. And I've heard, I haven't watched season two yet. Oh, season two but is, heard is way way better than I've heard it's amazing which is good because season much one like, was much good. like Arrow oh yeah Arrow second as well second season of Arrow well talking about good. that as well superhero shows are coming back because The Flash is supposed to be coming for, on CW Network which is a smaller network in the US Gotham as well is coming to Fox which is absolutely crazy I didn't think I'd be excited for it when I first heard about it I thought it was going to be pre-Batman Gotham but pre-Batman Gotham, Gotham with uh, everyone's favourite star from the OC taking over the role as Commissioner Gordon or whatever he is Detective Lieutenant Gordon whatever well like Kevin happened. Smith like pretty much uh, was talking about the premise for that show like mm. accidentally on like one of the episodes of Fat Man on Batman mm. And then it kind of came true. Like, it wasn't exactly wow. like Gotham, but, like, yeah. there was, he was talking about, you know, like a Bruce Wayne at school and yeah. stuff. And then, yeah. Because I wasn't sure how, it would, like, the mechanics would work, but it's kind of setting up these villains for the future. So as long as they kind of keep their powder dry and these villains don't become super big straight away, as long as they kind of see maybe the origins of people like Mr. Freeze or Poison Ivy or Catwoman or anything like that, there was a really good rumour going around that there was going to be, like, a fake-out Joker. Yeah, I heard uh, in, like, in every episode or every couple of episodes where it's someone, you know, who works at a playing card factory or um, is, like, a local clown or something. Like, like someone to throw you off the scent of who could be the Joker. So, I'm um, yeah, I'm crazy excited about that show. Um, other shows that I'm watching is... Uh, obviously, Adventure Time is amazing. It just blows it out of the water uh, for being a kid's show. Adventure Absolutely. Time is the modern day Ren and Stimpy in Absolutely. terms of kid's show for adults. Absolutely. A kid's show for adult, 100%. That's really good. Um, another one there is Rick and Morty, cartoon show done by Dan Harmon for Adult Swim, talking about uh, uh, Rick is a grandfather. He's also a super scientist. Morty is his um, neurotic grandson, and he takes him off on crazy adventures around the world and 
things get insane. There's a part where they just jump to different timelines and then kill the Rick and Morty in that timeline so they can take over that timeline. And there's crazy things like sci-fi elements, fantasy elements. It's going to be fringish. It's great. It's so good. And it's cartoon and it's hilarious and it's on Adult Swim. Speaking of animation, uh, Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers is really, really good. Archer. Uh, Archer is keeping it up there. It's it's solid. Uh, This whole season of Archer Vice where they're... Been brilliant. Yeah, really good, but they brought it full circle and they're going to go back to what they're doing, which is even more interesting. But a, a show, a really good show, if you're a fan of good writing, is um, The Venture Brothers. If you haven't seen The Venture Brothers, it's kind of a takeoff Still of... Animation. Yes, it's a takeoff of things like Johnny Quest and Action mm. Johnny and things where it kind of brings bureaucracy to superheroes and supervillains. So there is like, there is a, a super scientist. His dad was a super scientist, but now he's kind of living in the shadow and dealing day to day. But he has a supervillain that is obsessed with him, but that supervillain is uh, binded by laws of a guild that all the supervillains are attached to. So it kind of brings like boring bureaucracy to being a supervillain and mm. like arching someone. It's crazy, but it's great. And it takes like, there's two years per like in between seasons because they take so long Jeez. to do it. But it's a solid show. I really recommend it. I think anyone that loves comic books or just action or yeah, cartoons would love it. So also yeah. Metalocalypse. Metalocalypse. Death Clock, Death Clock. Death Clock, Death Clock. They were actually playing a show. There's a comedy show. There's a comedy festival that's happening in America in a couple of weeks or months. And one of the bands up is playing is the band from Metalocalypse. I actually came across that show in uni, and it was great. One it's of my amazing. Heavy metal show and blew my mind. One of those other shows, it's up there as well with... And we could do, like, talk about cartoons for kids but like Aquatine Hunger Force and Sea Lab and Harvey Bird regular show regular show as well um, there's going to be a show called Mike Tyson Detect uh, Mysteries where it's actually Mike Tyson voicing oh, cartoon version of himself solving mysteries like oh, Scooby Doo it's so many good things coming out yeah there's ridiculous amount, so yeah, really. It's just like the only thing I can kind of recommend is just like don't waste your time with crap. Don't like push through with things, give things a shot, but don't waste your time with crap because there's so much good stuff to be there. Push it out, flush it. Don't waste your time with it. That's it. Just like poo. Cool. Thanks for listening to Splitting Cases. Thanks for listening. I think. I hope so. <laughs> Did you guys enjoy the goon? Oh, it's pretty good actually. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, you come around. It's uh, sweet and fruity white. There's only four and a half litres to go. Mr. White. I think people want to drink a fair bit. I think I drank about half of that. 2.5 litres. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. (laughs) So, if you just want to keep up to date with us, uh, you can check us out on Twitter or Facebook. So either twitter.com forward slash splitting cases or facebook.com splitting cases and uh, leave a review on iTunes or wherever the hell you listen to this shit. Bathroom wall. Yeah, yeah. Like we've said, just get a compass and just engrave it. We would love that. (laughs) Thank you, Nick. Thank you. For humoring me, I don't get to talk about this stuff that often. No, no, so it just kind you. of explodes. It's good. <laughs> it's a nice explosion. Nathan explosion.